Hello, may I welcome you to episode 10 of Moving Matters. I am your host, Colin Wynn. I hope Moving Matters will give you an insight into others working or have worked in this wonderful industry as I delve into their past, their present and their future. You will find a new episode of Moving Matters on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. Recording this episode was quite some achievement for me as I didn't just have one guest, I had seven. And as such, the recording was simply too long for a solitary episode. So this is part one of the recording, with episode 11 becoming part two. My guests this episode are the BAR Young Movers Group Council. And for such a youthful bunch, I cannot emphasize just how much enthusiasm and passion they have for the industry which I believe is definitely in safe hands moving forward. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. 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 How how is everybody today? Cold. (laughs) (laughs) Not bad, thank you. Usually, I have a solitary guest, but today I have the privilege of recording an episode with seven, yes, seven guests, where each and every one of them are a member of the BAR Young Movers Group Council. So in no particular order, we have Michael, Maraid, Tommy, Alexandra, Calvin, Kieran and Daniel. So welcome to Moving Matters, everyone. So before we begin to discuss the BAR Young Movers group, let's find out a little about each one of you. Up first we have Michael. Who are you? How old are you? How long have you been in the moving industry? And who do you work for? Hello everyone. Uh, My name is Michael Dunbar. I am 33. I work for McGimsey Removals over in Northern Ireland. And I've been in the moving industry for 15 years now. Maraid. Hi, I'm Maraid. I'm 29. I work for Britannia Sandersteads of Surrey. I've been working full time here for over 10 years now, but I've been in the industry since I was in nappies because it's a family business. As you can imagine, I've been roped in the office on school holidays doing Saturday work and things. So I've been pretty much working here since I was a little girl. Tommy. Hello, I'm Tommy McNee. I am 33 years old. I work for Guardian Moving and Storage currently, and I've been in the industry pretty much since 15 years old, so just over 18 years. Alex. Hi, I'm Alex Lane. I work for Britannia Lanes in the Devon branch. I'm 22. Um, I've been full-time for four years, but similarly to Moraine, it's a family business, so um, I was pretty working sort of Saturdays and part-time since about 14, so I've been in for, yeah, for a fair few years now. Calvin. Hi, I'm Calvin Tickner. Uh, I work for the Eurogroup International Movers. I'm 28 years old, the same as Moraine and Alex. I've been in the industry since nappies, really, and full-time, I've been working here for nine years. Kieran. Hi, I'm Kieran Malarkey, 38, and I um, work for George Pickers Girls and Sons in Shipley, West Yorkshire. Been in the industry uh, 20 years, uh, 26 if you count, working in school holidays and weekends and stuff. Dan. My name's Daniel Braddock. Who am I? <laughs> I work for GB Liners. 
as, as many of you may know, that our managing director is, is Robert Barter. I'm 32 years old. And how long have I been in the industry? I've now I've been in the industry now 16 years. I've been doing it since I left school, Colin, and started whilst I was at school of a weekend and things like that, washing the vans, flat packing the boxes, that sort of stuff. Obviously not for GB liners, but so yeah, 16 years I've been in the industry now, and most of my time has been been with GB liners. So, what is the BAR Young Movers Group? What is the age stipulation? I take it I can't join at the young age of 52. How does an individual join and what are the aims of the group? Kieran, as you are the current chairman, do you want to answer parts of that? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, firstly, uh, thank you, Colin, for your interest in this group and, and inviting us on this podcast. The BAR Young Movers is basically um, it's a peer group for people uh, under the age of 40, unfortunately. That we we get together, we learn about the industry, uh, network, do business, and um, basically socialise together. We've done uh, three sellout events. Uh, it would have been four, uh, but unfortunately due to COVID, that that wasn't the case. Uh, wasn't to be this year. We've uh, we try and hold the 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 best thing about kind of our group is the events that we do, um, and we try and hold them at different removal companies to show people different how different operations run. First one was in Birmingham in 2017, where Squab hosted us, and then 2018 was Cardiff at the Fox Group, and then last year was Brighton at uh, GB Liners, where we had 75 uh, young movers, uh, the highest yet. And then this year, like I said, would have been at uh, Belfast, where McGimpses would have hosted us, but that will be hopefully all been well. That'll be uh, next year, 2021 in uh, in October. If I can just kind of continue to talk about the events. They basically consist of like educational se- uh, sessions during the day, and that can range from like debating an industry topic. We could be listening to like you've had a few industry experts on your podcast, haven't you? We could be listening to them and learning about uh, their life stories, and or we could just be learning completely something new that, that helps to develop uh, our businesses. But we we always make sure that those events there's enough time for for networking and of course there's the best bit uh, the socialising part which um, we've had some really good uh, good nights have been fantastic to be honest and on on top of the events um, throughout the year we'll we'll work alongside BAR training services and, and we've put on multiple um, training courses in the past uh, which have gone down um, really well but great feedback from them. And uh, mo- mo- most recent and probably an example would be the video surveying course, which we did, um, that was in September this year. That was the last one we did. We also have a presence within each of the BAR council groups, the national, the CMG and the and the overseas. We always make sure there's a young mover sat around each of those, um, sat on those meetings so we can obviously communicate with them and let them know what, what we've been doing. So yeah, that's um, that, that's kind of what it is. You know, we've, kind of gone from strength to strength in the past four years and it's, it's just been great to see a lot of friendships being built and I think it's just an opportunity an opportunity for us to learn and uh, and support each other as, as our careers kind of develop really. And how does one join the group? We just recently uh, launched an individual membership scheme for the Young Movers and this is open to BAR members and non-BAR individuals as it's a whole industry that we don't know that we're passionate about improving. So we thought, why not open it up to everybody? Hopefully we'll have a program out for what we're doing in 2021. Um, and that will show 
the training. We've gone after do a lot, lots virtually this year, uh, next year, um, webinars, live chats, and of course we've got the the the, the event in Belfast. But we the, the details of Young Movers will be on the main BAR website. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Each and every one of us, our details are always on the uh, RNS in in the RNS um, on every print. So there's there's three ways you can you can contact us and and, and be involved. So yeah, it is the individual individual membership route that we're going down. And what is the cost of an individual membership to the Young Movers Group, Dan? Yeah, not a problem, Colin. So the the annual membership fee for a Young Mover is fifty five pounds plus the VAT. Obviously, that's if you're you're currently a BAR member. However, if you're a non BAR member, there's an additional hundred pounds to pay before that. So I suppose one hundred and fifty five plus the VAT for for non-BAR member companies. And obviously the, the new individual membership, you know, enables long-standing supporters of the association and, and new supporters of the association to, to be part of it. So yeah, so non-members 155 and obviously members 55 plus the VAT. And how did the Young Movers Group come about? Calvin? Yeah, sure. So um, how it came about, Previously, uh, there was a BAR Young Movers before this council got together. It wasn't a council back then. It was just a, a group of like-minded individuals who kind of got together and kind of as, as we've kind of followed suit with just they organised local kind of get-togethers and, well, national, you know, so across the broad from companies and they would kind of get together and it was more, much more kind of social based. Um, however, I understand that kind of stopped 10, 15 years ago around that time maybe a bit sooner and that's kind of the time when I first came into the industry and through my job in my role I attended conferences overseas so I was part of different associations international associations IAM um, there was the the European Young Movers which I was attending and all of these associations had a group for the Young Movers or the Young Professionals as they're called so Essentially, as I was getting more and more into it, I was very nervous. I was young. I was 20, 21 at the time when I was attending these. That group of people was very warm and welcoming to me and really kind of helped me grow and learn, so to speak. And so we was at a a conference, uh, the BAR conference in London, and I remember we were we were at Madame Two Swords and I was talking to Paul Swindon at the time. And um, essentially, I just kind of said to him, look, why isn't BAR doing this? Every other kind of uh, association that we're part of as a company is putting together these young movers or young professionals or has these groups. And, you know, it's something I would be very keen on for BAR to, to put forward. And Paul was great. He, he fully supported it. He told me that they'd previously had the young movers however it wasn't an official council and he's kind of just said look you know I, I take this as it's you volunteering to kind of be part of it and I said absolutely and it's you know we need to find like-minded people like yourself who are who are willing to give it the time and devotion it needs and before you know it I think it went out in the next RNS magazine uh, article that we're looking to BAR we're looking to put something together if you're interested please apply and I think that from there, that was where our first our first council came from. And fortunately, we were all like-minded and all very keen to push it forward. So from there, the rest is history. We've kind of become a council now. 
fully fledged we've got our own kind of bylaws and you know so it's it, it's it's come a long way so yeah how many of you are on the council seven in total at the minute yes and who has the aspirations to become the next bar president calvin definitely calvin <laughs> in fact no damn damn brother. I think I think we've got uh, Mr. Mr. GB first off. Any aspirations to be the BAR president, Dan? Um, I'd love to be the BAR president. I I've seen all the people that have been. I when I sit in Watford and I look at that board with all all the names on, you know, it's a it's a prestigious board, isn't it? You know, you look at it and you think, wow, you know. And again, I sit there and I think, no, nah, I couldn't be. You know, you look at these names, you know, Mr. Barter, Mr. Palmer, you know, Gary, every, you know, everyone, all the, all the names that have been on there. And you think, but yeah, I, yeah, boiling, yeah, getting through it, Colin, I would, I would love to be a BAR president. I, I think what the BAR stands for is, is, is great. I think the members do it proud. And, and I just think it's a, a, a great association to be part of. So, yeah, I, you know. Who knows, Colin? Who knows? <laughs> Ladies, are, are you, do you aspire to become a BAR president? Who knows? It's obviously something to aspire to be, but at the moment where I'm still young in the industry and I'm still quite heavily involved with this and work, you just don't know where you're going to be. It would be nice to aspire to be that, but it's not my immediate thoughts right now, shall I say. Alex? Yeah, I would agree. And I think um, Marie and I are both in family businesses as well. So it probably would steer us maybe in a different direction. But I don't know. Yeah, to say it's probably many years ahead. <laughs> Something to think about. Think ahead. Think ahead. You never know what's around the corner. In the summer of this year, some of you are taking part in a Three Peaks Challenge charity event, raising money for the RBA, the Removers Benevolent Association. Unfortunately, that was postponed until next year. Kieran, can you inform our listeners how they can possibly get involved and how donations can be made? Yeah, it, it did unfortunately get postponed to September next year, Colin. But but yeah, it will it will happen. Well, I say it will happen. Hopefully, it'll, it'll happen uh, uh, in September next year. And um, the just just to say, the donations um, that were made. Obviously, we really appreciate the donations. Our target was met. Which was brilliant, and I can reassure people that, that those donations stand, and we'll just be moved on to next year, and hopefully we can get some more money raised uh, for a fantastic charity. And if anyone fancies getting involved up those hills, just just get in touch. Uh, the more, the merrier. Um, that be you, Colin? Would you be up for that? No. I'm more than happy to support you guys. If you need a push up the hill, I can push up the hill. I'm more than happy to be back at the hotel and have the beers ready, but to climb up a mountain? No. Fantastic. I'll take you up no, on that. Absolutely not. I'm quite happy to fly my drone up there and follow you, but do I need to go up the top of a mountain? No, absolutely not. <laughs> But thank you very much for the offer. I do truly appreciate it. <laughs> Put you down for maybe. <laughs> so how many members are there actually in the group? So there's seven councillors. How many members do you have at the moment? Yeah, so at the minute, we, we've, we've just launched this 
this kind of individual membership. So at the minute we're we're going from uh, it's not really a membership to it, it's not been a membership. It's just been look if you want to attend, if you want to basically you attend our events. There was no requirement to be anything. It was just be a BAR member and be under the age of forty. And here you go. This is the situation. Uh, so you can just join, no problem. So now, very, very recently, we've just swapped to, to going towards this individual member membership position where we are going to be going forward. However, with everything that's gone on with COVID and where we are and kind of the pushbacks and what, essentially at the minute, we've not really gone with a hard launch off that. We need to put together before we're, we're happy. We, we've finalised our plans for what we're going to be putting forward from next year. So we've not gone for our launch yet, but coming very soon from us you know early next year we will be publishing our here you go this is what you're going to get for your value for your money we're going to go live and start collecting the memberships you will need to be a member to be a BAR young member young mover member sorry to join our conference our event what we hold and to attend any of the events what we'll put forward but that schedule even though we've kind of very much got it to a final draft uh, between ourselves won't be going live until early next year and there will be plenty of socialising going on. And if there's one thing I have learned in my 30-odd years of being in this industry, even though I'm in IT, you guys like to socialise. Absolutely. It's, it's, for me, it's, it's, it's the enjoyable part, of course, but it's also where a lot of work and a lot of relations and a lot of partnerships are made. I don't think you can under kind of estimate the importance of networking and knowing other people and having these relations which last people you know their lives in the industry uh, throughout their careers just having okay I've got a problem down in Devon who do I know okay I know Alex is down there Alex can you help me out I've got this job here I need a porter I need this etc you know don't underestimate how important that is and I kind of we see that and it's let's help the other kind of young BAR members kind of see that as well and going forward hopefully yeah they, they can take that on board and you know we'll have these career long relations well when it does come to promoting all this do let me know you can promote it as much as you want on my podcast fantastic thank you very much thank you so let's go and find out a bit about each and every one of you let's start off with michael michael how did you get started in the industry what roles have you undertaken and what is your current role within McGimpsey's? Uh, thanks, Colin. I sort of stumbled my way into the industry. Um, I was 17, left school. I thought what I really wanted to do, I had really interest in cars, and I thought I would try and be a mechanic. Failed miserably. Wasn't great at that. So in the interim and looking for a way to, to make some money, I came into removals. So started off as a porter. Started off locally as a porter, just doing part-time work days here, days there. It ended up in full-time work. I then was a UK porter who was sent to England to work every, nearly every week, every other week. From there, I made my way up to being a driver. Uh, I was very lucky because the company really backed me from the, from the start. So what happened was a driver I had mentioned to one of the agencies, one of the directors, that I had an interest in driving the forklift. So I was moved into the store then as assistant warehouse manager. Uh, I was driving the forklift. I started going out doing surveys on a Tuesday and a Thursday because the, the assistant manager role in the warehouse wasn't at that time sort of full-time. So I was able to get some other activities in with that. 
which was a great experience. And then I spent three months over in Australia, luckily enough, working for a company called Kent Removals. That was sort of an exchange program that we had. So we got paid to go over and live in Darwin for three months, which again, the experience was invaluable to see how things were, were dealt with at the destination. Whereas we were just used to packing it up, getting it on the container and shipping it away. That, that experience of actually unpacking the customer's stuff and actually seeing some of the stuff that we packed and sent over ourselves was, um, was great. And I can say not a lot of people get to do it. So I was very privileged in that. From there, I was asked to come up into the office probably six years ago now, I think it was. Wasn't very sure about it because I'm not very, not very good with computers for a start. Not very good at sitting for too long. I like to be active, like to be moving around. So it was a big, big change and big change of scenery, big change in the way I sort of operated. But like anything, I was very willing to give it a go. I seen it as another upward run on the ladder, uh, so to speak, and to try and get myself a wee bit higher in the company. Happy to say I haven't really looked back, to be honest. I'm very, very happy and very proud to say the heaviest thing I lift now is my stapler. I do drink quite a lot of coffee, quite a lot of tea, and I am not going to shy away from that at all. <laughs> my The big thing I do say to the guys whenever they, they laugh at me and, and give me a wee bit of abuse here and there on the, on the rainy days, whenever I'm coming up to drink my tea and sit and look out the window, I always tell them, I've done there, I've been there, I've done that, and I wouldn't ask you to do anything I haven't done, which stands me in good stead being in the office. And I think it's it's invaluable that that experience to me, the guys out in the road appreciate that and and give me a lot of respect for that too. So it's been it's been a good journey. It's not definitely not over yet. We'll see we'll see where it takes us, but uh, yeah. That's, that's where I am at the minute. Experience definitely helps. Um, you know, it, it's great that the guys know that you, you used to do portering and, and stuff like that. Uh, and as you say, you wouldn't ask them to do something that you wouldn't do or that you haven't done yourself. So that's great. That's great. Mairead. Kai. <laughs> what roles have you undertaken and what do you do at the moment? So I've been mainly based in the office since I joined. This wasn't my initial job that I wanted to begin with I just sort of got roped in because dad wouldn't allow me to sit at home doing nothing and not earning any money and not paying rent so he dragged me in when I was about 18 19 after I dropped out of my A-levels so I just started doing basic office stuff running the diary doing admin around the office and then I went and done a packing course I think that was down at Lanes of Devon actually done a packing course, export packing and loading all that there. Then I spent a couple of weeks out on the road with the blokes and typically they shoved me in the kitchen packing everything because no one wanted to do it. So they thought, fine, (laughs) Mairead's the newbie, she can do that. I think that also gives the customers a bit of relief actually when they know a girl is handling their items a bit softer handed than blokes are. So they were quite pleased with that. And then, yeah, I'm mainly based in the office. I say I still run the diary. I have kitchen accounts that I deal with. I'm heavily involved with international shipping, do more international than European, mainly groupage work that I do. I'm 
done a full surveyors course that I'm trained in, haven't yet managed to get out on the road yet, but I'm doing the video surveys in the office. So I've got a hand in a bit of everything at the moment and I'm enjoying doing a variation of work. And I don't know where I'll be in the next couple of years, might be out on the road surveying, not too sure because I know our surveyor's due to retire. I wouldn't mind that being out on the road, but yeah, I don't know. At the moment, I'm just sort of office-based doing mainly office admin at the moment and doing international work. Cool. Tommy, how did you get started in the industry and what roles have you undertaken? Hi, Colin. Um, a little bit like Mairead in the fact I was a little bit younger. I, I was 15 years old and typical grumpy teenager laying about during school summer holidays and my dad had a kind of small removal firm which dealt mostly in office and commercial work. So he basically wrote me into a week's worth of work, working what was then double shifts. So we were working through to the kind of two in the morning and then back up at seven for the morning shift. I don't think we'd maybe get away with that now. And I was kind of thrust into that and I was earning, I think it was £141 a week and I got paid on a Friday and I got so used to the money. I was destined for university, accounting and finance, but the money just became, you know, everything I was focused on every Friday, getting a pay, you know, being able to go and buy your own things until my mother subsequently started taking some off me for food, would you believe it? <laughs> and, you know, pay, paying digs. 16 years old, when I could officially leave school, I asked my dad if, you know, I wanted to come back and, and earn that money again. So 16 years old, I came out. I was never really brought into domestic removals until much later in my career. I was office and commercial based through really a large scale project. So I quickly worked my way up to a project management role, done my Prince 2 in project management, which allowed me to run you know, UK wide projects that were worth you know millions and millions of pounds at quite a young age. And I was in charge of Budget, being on time, you know, making sure all the recycling of office furniture was correctly recycled. Only after my father passed away, which actually happened in front of my eyes on a job. Me and my dad were both on a job at Creswick Airport, would you believe, a commercial job or customs and excise that worked out at the airport, which were basically kind of, you know, taking everything that was coming over in the planes that shouldn't be coming over in the aeroplanes. We were clearing out their office and my dad kind of dropped down and had a heart attack right in front of me. At that point, I didn't really know what to do. I couldn't cope really with, with the stress of anything. So we closed the company down, myself and my mother, and I just came to Guardian as a HGV driver. I've been put through my licenses by my father and I just wanted something really stress-free. When I arrived at Guardian, I'd done six months on the road. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed getting back into the domestic market, learning the domestic market. And internally, at the time, Guardian were experiencing some, some growth. And the MD had said, I'm looking for an ops manager. And I said, well, I think I'd quite like that. I, I understand you know, operating and I've actually got my transport management CPC. But at that point, after six months on the road, I came in and I've just been at Guardian ever since. I do quite a lot of the sales and surveying. I run the day-to-day -day operation and profitability of the company. And I kind of see myself now being here for as long as Guardian exists, hopefully for my lifetime. Excellent. Now the baby of the group, <laughs> Alex. Me. Yeah, I mean, it's a family business. So I'm similar to Marie, well, I've ripped in a little bit younger, but... Um... 
I was afraid I was doing, I remember doing four hours on a Saturday since I was about 14. I remember the phone ringing one time and my colleague looked at me because he was with a customer going, you do have to answer it. And I was staring at it going, really, do I have to? <laughs> um, and then I joined full time after college um, when I was 18. It was more out of a, I didn't want to go to uni because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I thought it was an easy option for the meantime, an easy way to keep some money in my pocket. And I sort of envisaged staying until I was about 20 and then maybe going traveling, doing something else um, and then maybe joining at a later stage. But I think, as you said in other podcasts, Colin, once you're in, it's very hard to claw your way out. <laughs> so now I'm perfectly settled and I can't see, uh, can't see me leaving. What is your current role? Okay, so we're not very good at job titles in our office, but um, I'll probably say I'm the office manager. I sort of oversee the admin as well as sort of helping with that. I do a bit of the European, a bit of the shipping. Um, I also help look after our self-storage and self-drive. I look after the archive management as well. Just before lockdown, we unfortunately lost our surveyor. And then myself and a colleague were doing all of our video surveys over that period. I've been doing done quite a lot of surveys as well yeah but that's about that cool calvin so very similar to actually a very very similar story to murray um and same with alex with the family ties um that was how it kind of all started for me as a as a child when we were originally based down in surrey in a little single office rented above an office which was doing paint i um files all over the floor kind of thing and I remember as a kid playing stepping stones jumping on the files as there was my old man just trying to kind of you know leave all of the billing to the end just get everything working and that was you know my earliest memories of the old man and his work that kind of progressed uh through through kind of you know nine ten eleven kind of thing it was I was the tea and coffee boy moving on to kind of the early teens 11 12 13 I was kind of still the tea coffee boy but I was also the filing extraordinaire <laughs> so that was my uh summers that was my school holidays and then it kind of yeah progressed a little further 14 15 I mean as we know this season has tremendous peaks in the summer uh, with its work so unfortunately that was when my school holiday was so I was of course pulled straight in and at that point it, it then turned to uh the phones I remember I used to come into the office and this was before emails were big kind of things so the fax machine was going non-stop we were dealing with hundreds hundreds thousands of clients and they were all imports coming into the UK and um, I just remember this is when we got the, the hand-free headsets phones just first become kind of available and we'd have just rows of kind of filing cabinets on the side of the office and then all of the desks all lined up against the wall on the other side and the phones you know you'd constantly look at the kind of the call card and there was six queues everyone was on the phone and there was six phones kind of waiting and you know everybody was up and down grabbing a file because the systems weren't quite there so we had to get the you know the, the physical file to get an update on where we are there was no emails it was phone and it was non-stop and that was kind of when I first started getting involved having to answer the phone, having to answer the problems. And I hated it. Absolutely hated it. So <laughs> for me, I was adamant that no way, this will not be my career. There is no way I'm going to be doing this any further. Absolutely hated it. So kind of from kind of 15 onwards, I got myself up my own jobs. I did my own jobs. They were paper round. I worked for a, 
a company which makes bollards in the middle of the road. The ones, you know, the, the yellow and the white kind of thing with the blue arrows you get in the little islands. I made them. So that was a factory line kind of role. That was fine. That did me during the school holidays. And then um, I was determined not to work, really. I was, I was enjoying my social life. I went off to university. I went to the University of Nottingham. One was because of the, the rumours of the ratio of women to, to men I heard at Nottingham. <laughs> <laughs> they also uh, paid me uh, three grand. They gave me a, they paid me to study there. So, of course, that was a no-brainer. And that money was very uh, quickly up the wall, should we say, or down the drain through a drink. So, yeah, that was a, that was a fun time. But unfortunately, I parted a little too hard. And um, I failed my year. So I failed my first year. And I had to do a reset for an exam and I came home and Tony, the old man, he was very much the same as what the others. There's no chance I was sitting around doing nothing. I had to be and I had to be working. So I started on as an import clerk, kind of similar to what I did as a teen on the phones. But this time, you know, I operated the file all the way through from arrival at the port, the customs clearance through to delivery. And I did that for four or five months. <laughs> I was enjoying it, you know, taking in a paycheck. I had always earned a part-time paycheck there. You know, I was child labor. I wasn't expensive. Now, all of a sudden, you know, earning a thousand pound a month, I was like, wow, I can spend that, you know, and I had friends and I was like, this is great. So I kind of, that turned me, I pushed back. I was due to have a reset for my exam to go back to university that December when I got back in October and I, I said no. So I, I pushed that. And I, I, I thought, right, I can do it in the, the summer. Let me just have a gap year now where I work and build up some money. So, yeah, four years into me doing this import kind of export kind of clerk, I then moved. Um, we've got a global contract here at Eurogroup, which is kind of five, six thousand moves a year. So I moved over to that contract and I specifically looked after the imports and exports for deep sea moves and deep sea that would be you know, anything where it's air freight, sea container, so that's Middle East, Cyprus, wherever it be. So I looked after that and I did that for a couple of years. And to be honest, yeah, I loved it. You know, there was no there was no chance of me going back to wherever I was, you know, going to go to university. It was, no, this is good. I'm enjoying it here. And I did that. And then what happened, I suppose, was uh, for whatever reason, the manager at the time was moved to another position within the company. And that division was kind of, it was all very sudden and they needed a, a manager to look after that and to look after that contract. And I was very kind of on an interim basis whilst they're looking for somebody else who's got much more experience. I mean, again, this is a five, 6,000 move contract, looking after a lot of people, a lot of staff. And I was very kind of in the interim, yeah, put in charge of that. And then five years passed and I was still doing it. So it was kind of that interim kind of role became a permanent role. And then, yeah, just that was, you know, that contract for me was, it taught me an awful lot. It was all aspects of removals and project management and kind of having to answer to accounts to, to, you know, high, high demand customers. It was, it was a real, you know, it was a great role for me. It was hard. It was a lot of hours, but it was fantastic for me. And then the last few years, I've been a business development manager. So I moved from that contract to, to look into the business development and to build up our private side, uh, which had kind of fallen as we'd taken on other contracts. So it's now my role to, to build that back up. And then depending on when this podcast goes live, there will be a new 
possibly role I will be in as well, but I will. You'll have to wait and see uh, on that one. There, I don't want to give anything away too early. But yeah, there's going to be a new changes, and I'll be in a new role. So it's exciting times. Very good, Karen. Thanks, Colin. Um, like so many um, people in this industry, I got um, my, my old man got me into it. He, he was uh, a, a director of Pickers Girls, and I was on the vans at the age of like twelve, working, you know, during holidays and weekends and stuff like that. And then um, I, I came, I came on board uh, after my uh, A levels as a as a porter uh, full time. Uh, my mum was desperate for me to go to uni, but I'd have done a Calvin. I'd have, I'd have absolutely rinsed it and. Even back then, I knew it was that what wouldn't have been the way forward. So I had to get into work really, and I I always enjoyed it working at, um, on the vans and stuff in holidays. So yeah, I enjoyed it immensely. I was quite kind of hungry. I was wanting to <laughs> looking to get vans on my own and start up and everything. And then it was sat down. We myself and my brother were sat down by my dad and his uh, partners, and they they said they came up with a bright idea to form George Pickers Girls Removals and Storage that just concentrated on removals only. And um they said you crack on with removals, bring storage into this warehouse, we'll start we'll crack on with the the, the storage and they had some archive that they wanted to, to develop. So so that's how I came kind of a direct, if you like, uh, so young. But my brother he he's he wanted to do something else after a couple of years he wanted to be a joiner so he um he sold his shares to a chap who was working for us on a casual basis called Phil. And then myself and Phil just really kind of worked really hard nonstop for for years and tried to make a go of it. And a long, you know, long story short, the company's now back to one company, George Pickers Girls and Sons. I bought Phil's share out three years ago. So we're all one company and there's myself and another partner that uh, own 50% of it. And so that's kind of the, the, the story. I, I've, I still I have and I still do. I still go out packing. I still go out loading vehicles. Um, this these past few months, I've probably never been out uh, as much, to be honest. I've got my class two. I've got my international and um, national CPC. So I've, I pass those exams. So I'm the the transport manager, and I do survey. So yeah, pretty pretty uh, hands on and kind of proud of that, really. Awesome stuff, Dan. I got started in the industry. My my dad. And my grandfather have both done removals. So I suppose you could say I was third generation now. And that's how I got into it, really. I would be asked to go and help at the weekend if I had time or wasn't playing rugby on moves and, and things like that. So that's how I got into it. And from a young age, thought that that was the, the best thing since sliced bread. I think my teachers probably could see that once I'd done a couple of moves, I decided that that was what I would be doing. Uh, I didn't really need to concentrate anymore and and that's where I, I knew that the day I left school that's that's what I would be doing did I think that would be the case probably not but I think most people will probably be the same that if you've got the bug for it you, you've got the bug for it so that's how I got started in the industry what roles have I undertaken as I said started from a young age at 14 just washing the vans you know moving stuff around in the warehouse that then obviously moved on to packing porter and then when I was old enough I took my HGV license and a bit of a funny story here was I come to GB liners probably a year or so after leaving school and knocked on the door and the lady said that answered I said have you got any jobs and she said well have you got a HGV license and I said 
no, not yet, but I'll get one. And she said, well, as you haven't got one, we can't give you a job. So I said, okay, not a problem. So I went away and a year later, I come back and the same question was asked. And I said, yeah, I've got, I have got an HGV license now. So I was given a job and I started as a, as a porter for GB liners. I then moved on to being a driver and a foreman. And then a year or so later, I said to one of our area managers, I'd like to have a go at estimating, see what it's all about. You know, is, is, it, is it as hard as it, it looks? And he said, OK, I'll, I'll let Mr. Bart up know. And a couple of months later, I was doing a job into store and I got a phone call to say, what time will you be done? Because Mr. Bartlett would like to meet you on his way home and, and have a chat about it. And it went from there. I then, you know, a couple of months later, went to the BAR, carried out the, the estimators course and passed that. And it went from there, really. So then I covered for a good two or three years. I covered our Bristol and our Loughborough operation, living in Cheltenham, covering all the surveys. And then an opening come up for a branch supervisor in Cheltenham, which is where I live. And Rob said, would I like to do it? And I said, yeah, 100%. Thank you very much. And, and that's it. That's been it, been it ever since. I then become branch manager of Cheltenham. And I'm now currently branch manager of our Cheltenham and Sirencester operations. So, yeah. Cool. What personal challenges have you had to overcome in the industry? Michael, we'll start with you. Have you had any personal challenges that you've had to overcome? Yes. One, one, one challenge, which I'm pleased to say the company stood by me in, and they, they didn't have to whenever I was a lot younger, more irresponsible and foolish and stupid. I lost my driving license. So I did for, for 12 months. So basically I was left in the situation where I had to come into work on a Monday as a, as a van driver with no license, my tail between my legs, as they would say, explain to the directors and basically take it on the chin what was going to happen, which I thought at the time, you're a van driver, you don't have a license, therefore you don't have a job. They, they were very good with me, disappointed, obviously, no more so than I was with myself. But they, they basically said, look, there's still a job here for you. We, we believe in what you can do for the company. Uh, and basically, it was just sort of start again as a porter. At, at the time, whenever I lost it, I was still, I was driving the forklift as well in the, in the warehouse. So I, w- I was climbing the ladder, so to speak, then. And it was a bit of a kick in the teeth for me, probably the company as well, for that to happen and it took quite a bit to, to sort of bounce back from it because although it was 100% my fault very irresponsible foolish stupid amongst other things that you can say it's, it's a hard one because you're you're that disappointed yourself that you you feel sorry for yourself in a way and to, to then get that motivation back to say well hold on I can I can do this again. I, I can obviously redo your license, start climbing again, and sort of pick yourself up again to, to start all over. It was a bit of a difficult time. Obviously, people go through a lot worse. Difficult time, but proud to say that, you know, I'm currently set up in a nice office as head of our UK and Ireland department, 
now. So yeah, it was it was a challenge, let's say, but one that I learned a lot from, if anything. Yeah, I bet. Mairead? I personally haven't really had any challenges, really. I've been quite sheltered here in the office all the time I've worked here. But what I would say, and I'm sure most women would say this, working in a mainly masculine environment, there is a different view people have on you, shall I say, or they, the way that you're spoken to sometimes by a man because you're young and you're female is completely different as to how we'd speak to your 50-year-old ops manager because they just assume you're stupid, you don't know anything, you don't know what you're talking about because you're a girl. So that's mainly the one issue that you'd normally get more than any. Also, I would say as well, working in a family business, people just assume because the boss is your dad, you get extra special treatment. She can do this, she can do that. And it's not the case. I'm at work his employee. I'm not his daughter. And he's very adamant in stipulating that. But I suppose people on the road, the blokes seem to think, oh, they get you get it all special treatment. But other than that, I haven't really had many challenges that I've had to overcome. I've I've been I've had a pretty good journey. So And I'm expecting that 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 answer about like treatment mm. from at least three of you, because you're all in family run businesses. So I'm expecting that. Mm. And it is a difficult one. Tommy. More so for me, just, you know, at at twenty two years old I, I was a project manager, as I say kind of running really large-scale projects. But part of that a lot was, you know, pre-start meetings, project meetings, which involved huge risk assessments, method statements. And when my dad passed away at 22 years old, as part of the project manager role, even though I had literally just lost my dad, you know, within the last 15 minutes, I had to do all the paperwork in terms of was a risk assessment through, you know, how did it happen, what happened, what insurance risks are there? What are the insurance parameters of, you know, there's a liability here, there's employer's liability, all of that stuff. And, and that was a, a real challenge at 22 years of age. To then further go that, you know, after kind of six to 12 months after that, I still had a lot of projects but with, with deadlines. And sometimes as a 22-year-old project manager, you're going into meetings with really high-ranking kind of government officials who are, you know, 40, 50 years of age. And you're almost having to attempt to stamp your authority and throw your weight around to say, you know, take me seriously. You know, I'm in this position on merit. And sometimes there was a lot of kickback of, you know, oh, you know, here's young Tommy just coming, you know, and they would talk over you. It almost tried to belittle you a little bit because they felt so powerful and, and you were just like an, an apprentice age, but not of an apprentice mindset. And that was a huge challenge to overcome to, to earn your respect, which I eventually got just through being so firm in my decisions and so confident in what I was doing in project management to, to get the projects kind of on budget, on deadline, on time. And the more and more I'd done that, the more and more, you know, they would almost take a back seat and, and let me chair the meetings and actually listen to what I had to say. But that's been the, the only real personal challenge. Other than that, I, I've had a lot of backing throughout my career. And even within my network, um, it's all been really pleasant. Alex? I wouldn't say I've had any particular challenges. I think the only thing is I would say is I want to know all the answers to everything. But I, I want but without all those years experience that like my dad and my uncle and my auntie and my parents have, I won't have it. I think sometimes I want to know all these answers, but I need to be not afraid just to ask the question. 
And I think that, that's the only thing, really. Um, like Mareda said, I've had a few of those. Um, I know someone was trying to get through to my dad once, and I think dad was on the phone. He was like, well, like, all I can do is get through to the girls on reception. I was like, well, I'm not on reception, actually. <laughs> but um, it's that mentality that I'm young, I'm a female, so therefore I can only be there to, to book in appointments for dad or things like that. But I think that sometimes you've got to take it on the chin, don't you? Absolutely. Galvin? Yeah, so, um, I mean, there's no significant large challenges I've had to come, but there are there have been minor ones and, you know, I always set challenges for myself kind of in the sense of, you know, push myself, uh, achieve this, achieve that. But they're personal set challenges. So that's kind of aside from, you know, the other challenges what I think you're kind of asking about here. And as you say, correctly say, kind of the, the chip on the shoulder about being the boss's son was certainly a problem for me when I first started off but that very, very quickly dissipated. I was very conscious of it. And to to combat that, I put in more hours than anyone else, quite simply. I would be in earlier. I would be in later. I would be asking people, can I do any work for you? Can I take anything from you? Let me do it. Let me do it. Let me do it. And that very kind of quickly got rid of that kind of, okay, boss's son, here's some favouritism. He's where he is because of this. Um, It briefly came back when I went into the interim manager of that kind of contract, which I mentioned earlier. However, again, just from my time kind of sitting, listening and taking in everything, do you know what? It wasn't just, there was a reason it was me who was chosen for interim. I, I could comment. I knew the contract. I knew everything. I could stipulate what was required. So that was there. And it's, it's, you know, it's not been an issue for me since. So that was one where I think, we, you know, I've certainly overcome. Nerves from conferences was another big one for me. Uh, I remember I had been working for the company one year, just over one year. And I went to an IAM, International Association of Movers Conference in Vancouver, due to the work what I did with the overseas agents on this contract. And it was a conference with 2000 people. And there was me, 21 years old, at this conference of people who are majority owners high-level management, maybe, you know, mid-level management. I was very underqualified. I knew nothing uh, compared to these people there. And to be able to go and then to to speak to people who I am by far 20, 30-year, you know, kind of their junior, and to be able to hold a conversation as kind of Tommy touched on, and, you know, and to be taken seriously and to kind of understand, that was a challenge for me. And But as with all things, the more you do it, the more confident you get. And then believing what you say, you know, and being confident in yourself, that was a big breakthrough for me. When I go there to talk about our services and what we can do and what we can offer, I know what we can do, what we can offer. That kind of broke that barrier for me. And then a uh, typical young and naive as well. Another one which I had was the the, the case of, I think I know best. <laughs> that was... <laughs> That was a uh, yeah, much to the to the displeasure of the, the the senior management team here at the company. I was a bit of a hothead. I had kind of gained a few places fairly quickly through merit, through working hard. But again, I still thought I I, I knew everything and anything, and that was soon proven otherwise with a few mistakes I'd made and a few wrong calls. And uh, yeah, so I, I very quickly learned that you know what, you will continuously learn. You are learning every day. And, you know, I, I, that is now my whole kind of persona. My, my, my mantra with it all is just, you know, you, you don't know at all. You learn every day. Enjoy it. 
you know what I mean? Welcome learning whatever I can learn and just grow as I can grow as I, I work through and, you know, try not to say no to any opportunity that arises. And that's the kind of way I go with it now. So I'd say they're the challenges I've overcome. Cool. Kieran, what challenges have you had to overcome in the industry? I can relate to um, Maraid and Calvin with the, um, working for your parents. Um, uh, I probably didn't help myself. I was quite sort of gobby. I would I would wind the situation up. But I kind of quickly went from that to like Tommy's sort of problem where, you know, I'm a, I'm a director so young, I'm thrown in at the deep end. And I, and that's not a complaint. It was my choice. I, I, was want, I wanted that. But then all of a sudden you're employing older people and you're just battling with them because they know it all. So I found that difficult. But over time um, and experience, it just toughens you up anyway. So it, but it was a challenge. Yeah, the I think the the recession of 2011, Alex was probably still at primary school. That's just really <laughs> showing my age, you know. I wasn't. <laughs> I thought that I thought that was um, that was tough. As that sort of dragged on, it was touch and go. And then um, I think Phil, uh, my partner at the time, he had a he had a horrific accident. So all of a sudden, you you kind of left in the you're on your own for the first time ever. And um, and yeah, you, you, you but yeah, you, you crack on with it and you just you you, you get by. So but yeah, I'd, I'd I'd say those those things. Cool, Dan. Oh, good question, Colin. I think probably one of the hardest ones to to probably answer. I'm sure we all face many challenges. In, in the industry that we work in. I would say my, my biggest personal challenge was, was moving from the vans and the operative side, you know, the operative work and things like that to coming into the office and, and this side of the business for lots of reasons, really. I was worried that would the office accept me, you know, coming off the vans into the office, you know, would that be okay with them? Would the men be okay with me for, for leaving the vans and coming to this side of the business? But the biggest one was really was how I dealt with it. I spent many years, once I left the vans and I was carrying out the surveys in Loughborough and Bristol, almost craving going back to it. You know, it, it took me quite a few years to, to feel like that's where I, you know, I was okay there. I could do the job. I could, you know, book moves. I always had this niggling thought that it would be so much easier just to go back to what I knew I could do. And that was just doing the moves. You know, we had a good team. It was nice to be part of that team with the men. We had, we had 14, 15 men, all very experienced. And that was, I suppose, safe for me. You know, I knew what I was doing there. We all got on very well. So it took, that was the biggest challenge was, was for many years, I'd go home and I'd say to my wife, I'm not sure if I've done the right thing. I know that was, I knew this is what I wanted to do, but I kept questioning whether I could do it, whether, you know, the men accepted that, whether I could accept that. So I think that was the biggest thing was, was I, you know, was that was my biggest challenge was, was moving actually from doing the moving to then booking the moves, planning the moves and what was then to, to come from there. But I must say, I, I, I'm very lucky that the team we have in, in the business whether it's management or it's the men all kind of got on board could you know really helped the men I have in Cheltenham and and all of the the branches really got behind it and and looked at it as a good thing and not a bad thing that you know and hopefully many of them 
would would can see that it can be done, Colin, because I know our industry, when you listen to everyone's, how they've come up through the ranks and things like that. But it, I think it is hard. I, w- I was very nervous. Could I do it? And like I said, would I be accepted? And I didn't want to let anyone down. And there's always that worry that if you go back to the vans, yeah, would the men accept you back and things like that? So it was so much pressure at the time that it, it did. That was one of my biggest challenges. But looking back now, I have a great team around me. And I think that really helped me to to, to do what I'm doing now is, is the team that we have here. So, yeah, that was probably my biggest challenge was moving from the vans into the office. And when I go back out on the vans now, as, as I've done this week with the guys, it, it's just like it was 10 years ago when we used to do it. So it's nice. It's good. Surely all that experience of being on the vans, though, helps within the office. You know, you're, you've got first, you've got hands-on experience. So that's got to help with booking jobs in a diary and things like that. You're 100% right, Colin. And, and I, I, I listened to Mr. Palmer's podcast and I know he can drive a HGV, just doesn't have a license for one. And it's the one thing I would say has allowed me to achieve what we've achieved as, as a business, as a branch, is that ability to have no fear. Because if you have a HGV license, if you have a forklift license, if you've moved the furniture and things like that, it gives me that confidence that we can go to our limits. Because if we have a man off sick, the warehouseman's not here that day, we're not crumbling. We just change roles. We go from the shirt and tie today to let's have the tie off, let's get in the warehouse, we'll find some containers, I can get the vehicle out to the job, we can do, you know. So yes, it, it does help massively, Mass helps massively. But I think what it was, was just coming from the vans, moving into an environment that I didn't know. I was never naughty at school, but like I said, once, <laughs> once I'd done a couple of moves, I knew where I was going. So it was all of that as well, you know. What, could I be, uh, could I fit in in the office? Was I clever enough to be in the office? And it quickly was apparent that if you know what we do, the rest will come. If you can, if you know how to, the moves are carried out, if you know what's involved, all of that, the rest will come and people will help you. If the business is set up right, people will help you in the business to overcome the other things, understanding the accounts, understanding cost, all of that 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 comes with time so yeah i think if you can get that main understanding of what the men do and what the process is to actually get into move day it helps it helps no end yeah absolutely Mairead, what did you want to add yes yeah, so another personal challenge that i overcome was when i was about 21 i got not asked told I was going on a European Young Movers Conference in Budapest. I didn't know anyone in the industry, barely knew the actual industry itself because I'd only been in the company for a couple of years, just doing admin, so not too involved. Got flown out there, I had to do this conference, didn't know anyone, but it was like one of the best weekends of my life. I learned a lot, met a lot of people, and had a really good time, continued to go on these conferences for about five or six years after that before I got involved in the UK Young Movers and it's really, really helped my confidence. And and I've now got loads of friends and links European wise in the industry that I can call on. As as we said previously, if you if you've got a truck stuck down in Devon and you need portal assistance or something, 
I can call someone in Finland. Hopefully they'll help. They do the same for us. And it's, and it's given us more work as a company and it's just boosted my confidence massively in the industry and as myself as a person, just by literally being thrown in at the deep end. So I'm grateful for that. But that's where this industry as a whole becomes one extension of your family, as Greg and I spoke yeah. about on the last podcast. Yeah, it, it, the socialising is great. Everybody's down to earth. You know, you're not going to go to a conference and have a bad time. It, it just simply no. doesn't happen in this industry. Yeah, they're, they're brilliant. Okay. So you mentioned your personal challenges. And I know you lot are still young. I've got here the eldest one is 33. Wow. Is there anything from your past that you would change, Michael? It would be very easy to, to say yes, it would change my answer to the previous question, which would be not to lose my driving license. But I genuinely believe that that has made me stronger as a person, you know, to, to do something like that and, and bounce back and, and still progress the way that I have throughout the company. It would have been very easy just to walk away. Would have been very easy for the company to say you, you have no job. So, in hindsight, no, I don't think it would change anything. I'm fairly happy with the journey that I've been on to, to get to this stage. So, no, in a word. Mairead? I also don't think I would change anything because I've been given a lot of opportunity here. They haven't made me hold like held back in anything all the training courses I've done all the opportunities they've given me so I wouldn't say that I've I want to change anything or missed out on anything really so no I don't think I would no Tommy yeah as boring as it is um I'm pretty similar just in terms of I'm a little bit of a, a deep thinker and you know, I always think even if you look back and you could have changed something if you changed it, you might may then not have kind of followed the same path to where you are now. So although there's been mistakes along the way, we've probably all made mistakes in terms of decision making, in terms of everything else. I think it moulds you as a person and being part of the young movers and looking up to people like Ian Palmer, Nigel Shaw, Rob Bartop and, and seeing what they've done in the industry. They've probably made mistakes along the way, which has made them successful. So, no, to answer your question and, and to kind of mirror what Michael said, in a word, no, I don't think so. Alex? I sometimes think maybe I should have, instead of coming fresh out of college, joining full-time and then staying, maybe I should have waited two years, maybe done my travelling then and maybe just got off sort of a wider perspective from another job because... The only other job I've done is I worked in a book factory with my friend for a couple of evenings a week over one summer. But other than that, that's the only other job I've done. So I sometimes think, should I have done something else that maybe would have maybe build more of a character? But then at the same time, if I'd only been doing it for two years, let's say so if I joined back at 20, would I be on the Young Weavers Council when I've just been asked to join the young storage network board for the self-storage association and i wonder what that probably wouldn't have happened otherwise so as everyone else says <laughs> no in a word calvin yeah i mean a couple of little things um would be i i wish i probably spent a little more time out on the vans so from myself it was kind of immediately all office work straight into office work and that's grown now there have been times where i have gone down and i have helped but they are a rarity you know what i mean it's if 
I can probably count on two hands the amount of jobs I've kind of gone out on to help with whatnot. Now, when it comes down, I need to do some mucking in the warehouse, transship, essentially. That's fine. I've done that. No problem with that. But actually being out in the customer's house, not surveying it, but actually doing the packing and wrapping. I think that there's some skills there which I've not got. I've tried to pick up and I try and absorb and listen to other people as best as possible to get that. However, it's not first-hand experience, which you can't beat. So uh, as, 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 although it's not too late, it, it's and I may just be using the excuse, it's getting harder and harder for me to kind of find the time with my current role to, to, to afford to do that. So again, it, never say never to it, but I think that's one thing I'd have liked to have done a bit more of early doors. If I could go back and maybe not change, but maybe just give some words of advice to myself it would again be the whole nerve situation these conferences these getting out there being there just go be yourself people are lovely you know there's so many people in the same boat I would kind of give myself a little pick me up with that you know there's a conference or two where I spent a lot of time learning so I suppose it's still important but again I held back a little bit due to the due to the fact of the nerves that come with a conference and I think all in all they're, they're kind of two immediate changes that come to my mind. If I could go back, I would just kind of alter. Kieran? Probably probably join the BAR sooner, to be honest. That's had a really good impact on our business. Uh, it's up to our standards. It's um, there's, there's lots of great people within the association, lots of help, lots of resources. And I just don't think that's a coincidence that, that we've, we've done so well from it. Um, it's opened up a lot of opportunities for me personally as well. I probably wouldn't be doing this now if it wasn't for that so so yeah maybe that maybe maybe join them sooner and I don't know not many really maybe maybe I should have done a business course at the end of the day I was running a business and I was just throwing myself in working hard and but maybe I should have taken a step back and actually learned the fundamentals of business but I had to think about that to be honest so maybe you know all in all not too bad at I don't think Dan I just wish I joined earlier <laughs> I wish when that lady opened the door the first time, that that was when I joined GB Lioness. That where I worked before was great. I enjoyed my time there. It gave me a real sort of level base to go from. But yeah, I think that's the only thing. If I could have joined GB Lioness earlier, I think I would have. I would possibly possibly been involved with the BAR earlier. Possibly the young the, the whole young movers thing might have might have come about a bit earlier or I'd have been involved with with the original young movers when that first started and and, and things like that apart from that I, I don't think there's anything I would change I, I you know I wouldn't want to look back and and think of much I've always enjoyed my time with GB Liners I, I love it here for, for such a big company we, we have a real family feeling so I suppose my only only thing I would change was would be to try and get involved with that a bit a bit sooner. And hopefully, if the lady Anne wouldn't have opened the door and asked me if I had HGV and <laughs> did it another way, it, we we would have we would have achieved that. But yeah, I, I don't think I'd have changed anything else. I've enjoyed my time, and still enjoy enjoy this. I'm as passionate now about what we do as as the first day I started doing it. So yeah, I don't think apart from that, I would I would change anything. Cool. Sorry, Colin, can I just add a, a small bit to that last one? Absolutely. I don't know whether I would change it. Well, I'd, I'd say I would, but there's another two of my colleagues that are that are sitting there that might nod in agreement. 
we were we were lucky enough that Calvin very nicely picked myself and Tommy up from the airport whenever we were heading towards Brighton last year. The guys will know that this was at a an early time of the morning. So in hindsight, whenever you are left in the hotel reception, staring at the elevator to go up to your room and get sorted, or at a gentleman from an insurance company that I don't know if I'm allowed to mention, Malcolm Pearson, who wants to take you to a local pub at half 10 in the morning, whenever you're meant to be three of the seven people that are welcoming guests at 7 p.m. that night. I might change that and get into the elevator. <laughs> what is it with insurance people, eh? On my part, I will say that I won't change that. I will do exactly as I did do the first time. <laughs> Colin, can I just correct you on one thing? Sorry. You uh, you mentioned that Tommy was the youngest at 33. We no, have... no, I said the eldest at 33. Yeah, the Alex eldest, sorry, the yeah, 33. Yeah. So, Chris, no, no, it's it, okay. It's okay, Calvin. Just move on. You don't need Kieran <laughs> right. knocking on 40's okay. door. <laughs> So Kieran is almost no longer a young mover. Why have I got Kieran down as 28? When you said that, I was thinking I'm not correcting him here. <laughs> Go on, Kieran. How old again? Uh, in my 30s. In my, 30s. In my 30s. I'll put 30 yeah. plus. 38. And I'm 38, Colin. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't let that one pass. Thank, thanks for that. And that concludes the first part of my recording with the BAR Young Movers Group Council. You'll find out more in episode 11. I sincerely hope you enjoyed episode 10 of Moving Matters and are very much looking forward to part 2, episode 11. If you did, then please tell your industry colleagues about Moving Matters, which they can listen along to on their podcast player of choice. And please, if you can, I would really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes. Many thanks to those that have. My thanks and appreciation go to the BAR Young Movers Group Council, consisting of Michael Dunbar of McGimpsey's, Mairead Almandras of Britannia Sandersets, Tommy McNee of Guardian Moving and Storage, Alexandra Lane of Britannia Lanes, Calvin Tickner of the Eurogroup, Kieran Malarkey of George Pickerskills, and Daniel Braddock of GB Liners for giving up their time to record this episode. Thank you once again, everyone. If you would like to know more about the BAR Young Movers Group, then you will find links within the show notes for this episode and on our webpage movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. And please, if you have a funny moving story that can be relayed to our listeners, do reach out to me. Don't be shy now, I want your story told. So please complete the contact form on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. Tweet me at movingmatterspc or email me host at movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. Well, that is all from me. So until next time, keep moving. <laughs>